something uh, seems to be troubling you. Uh, won't you tell us all about it? Start at the beginning. Yeah, yeah. And when you come to the end, <laughs> stop. And welcome back to Top Shelf Disney Animation Studios Library, the show that we watch old Disney movies and talk about them every week. Question mark. I am Jeff. That's TC <laughs> laughing. Hello. <laughs> oh boy. And you guys have no idea the length of issues we had before starting to record <laughs> this week's episode. <laughs> the the technical issues were eleven fold. At, oh my at goodness! Trying to get this this episode started, and uh, it's it's very very. Um, it, it's a convenience, um, very uh, not coincidental. It makes sense because the movie we're talking about is utter nonsense. So it, it would oh. it would it would be proper for us to go through nonsense just to, and by us I mean me to go through nonsense. <laughs> well, and I started here. I started worrying. So like last week, uh, I after we recorded last week's episode, I got a brand new computer. So I sw- I swapped platforms, and I'm like, oh man, is all of this issue? My fault because I got a brand new computer. <laughs> like, is it really me? Like, oh, I hope it's not my it, fault. <laughs> well, I, I think we've proved that not only was it probably my fault, it my my technology feels so bad that you have such new technology that it decided <laughs> to just poop the bed. <laughs> Once it heard that it took my machine ten seconds to do a full system restart, it just went, "Oh, I am no good <laughs> anymore." <laughs> it was crying. <laughs> It was crying like a certain blonde-haired, small British child who decided to take a nap and trip out on LSD. Which is mm, this, which gets us to that's a... a segue. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, segues. That brings us today an episode we watched. Now, we just we realized this. Last week, because we realized this after we got done recording, we never actually said what movie we were watching this week, did we? <laughs> yeah, we didn't. I was... I. I kicked out ourselves because after we were wrapping up. Typically what happens is after we finish recording, we end up talking for like another 45 minutes to an hour. Usually, yeah. And either we realize we missed points or we come up with new points or we realize such things as, oh, we didn't tell everyone what next week's episode is. <laughs> I made a comment. I did because I, I listened to it. I did say Alice in Wonderland, but I never specifically specified that that was this week's episode. So big old apologies for everybody. <laughs> it's like if you weren't it's madness, Jeff. <laughs> oh my goodness! Madness. That's silly. I can't believe that we didn't say the movie's title. Well, I'm going to say it this time. I'm also going to say the word package film at least 12 more times just oh, because God. I'm starting no. to feel a little empty from not having to say that all the time as well. I, I, I do not miss I do not miss it. <laughs> I don't miss it, but you know what? And I'm I'm going to get I'm going to get going right off the bat for this movie. Mm-hmm. I uh, so hmm, hmm. I wasn't a fan of this movie. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Okay, so in in watching it, I'm not going to disagree with you. In watching this, I had a hard time wrapping my mind around why this movie is so beloved. Yeah, and it, because there is, it's it is this is the story, Jeff. Mm-hmm. For those of you who may not have seen Alice in Wonderland in your lifetime, a little girl <laughs> falls asleep, you. has some weird dreams, and wakes up. Yep, <laughs> that's the movie, <laughs> and it's it's so like I I. I couldn't tell you the last time I've watched Alice in Wonderland. It was probably when I was a child. Like, this version of Alice in Wonderland. I have, unfortunately, seen both the the, the, the two modern movies, the live-action ones. Um, the, uh, the, Tim, the Tim Burton and the Tim Burton-esque esque, sequel. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but, like, I, I, I couldn't tell you when the last time I saw it. I remember bits and pieces. You know, like I remember, like I obviously I know Tweedledee and Tweedledum is in it. Like I, I remember the Cheshire, Cheshire Cat. But like in the beginning, I'm like, oh, so is like I my first note is, oh, so is Alice like asleep? Did she fall asleep? And is that what this all is? As a joking note, I was not no. serious <laughs> until the end. And I went, oh, she actually is asleep. Oh, way to just yeah. cop out there, movie. <clears throat> it's it's very rare, very very rare that the it was all a dream ending works and and by very rare i mean ebenezer scrooge it's a wonderful life mm-hmm. and 
maybe Alice in Wonderland. Other than that, if you end your story with it was all a dream, (laughs) (laughs) that just means that you don't know how to end it. But see, like those, those are great examples because those examples are built around it purposefully being a dream. You know, I, I feel like the, 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 the cop out of, Oh, it was all a dream was just because somebody wanted to come up with all these ridiculously crazy ideas and had no way to clearly write them like mm-hmm. into the story. It was just like, I have no idea how to end it. It was all a dream. Ooh, yeah. And like, no, you, no, you stop. No. It's a, it's, it's unfortunate because narratively, pl- like the way it's plotted, the way it's scripted, this movie it is nonsense. And it does fall into some of the trappings of the movies we, the World War II movies, the package movies. Right. That they don't have a, a clear narrative. But, there are so many characters and so many so such wonderful animation and how many songs are in this movie? There, oh. there was like twenty songs in this movie. Oh yeah, I know. Like I, I believe if I was doing my research correctly, they said this film like holds the record for the most songs, and I think the most like f- most characters in a Disney film. Wow, that it, that does not surprise me, Be- and it's. It's good and bad. It's good. It's amazing that they were able to accomplish that. The animation, like I said, is is really quite great. Mm-hmm. But because there's no, because there's too much, there's no really. It's just really just Alice wandering from one place to another. And now I know that's not the movie's fault because right. that's the source material. The source material doesn't really have a clear narrative. It's just. Wander from one thing, <laughs> one one piece of ridiculousness to the next. Right, and, and it's so hard. Like, like my biggest issue is that at the end of this movie, you know, you, you sit there and you're like, okay, so for, so for any good film, a, a character should have some sort of arc or like character arc or journey or whatever. And ho- hopefully, the main character who you follow and you spend all the time has learned something. Um, yeah. Is is all that Alice learned was that her life isn't that bad after all? Like, is that really – is that like the, the thin takeaway from it? Yeah, but the, to, to be fair, that is a good lesson to learn that the grass isn't always greener on the other side and be careful what you wish for because you just might get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that, there's certainly a plethora of analyses of the book, of the movies, of this movie in particular – that this is all just one big allegory for childhood into adolescence, that the growing up, that you can't can't have your flights of fancy and your daydreams and expect the world to work, that you have to you have to age out of that. Right. But there there are better versions of that story. Uh, um, Wizard of Oz is the the best example I can think of of a very near, a very similar, very, very similar narrative that is structured better than Alice in Wonderland. Mm-hmm. And I, and I do agree with you, like, cause I was, that's what I was trying to figure out. I was trying to figure out like what this movie was like, what, what is it? What's the message it's trying to tell me? What's the, the point of it? Because, you know, oftentimes, you know, like we obviously have dissected some of the other films and tried to figure out if there was like a hidden meaning behind it or, or what it was like uh, referring to. And, and the one that I could keep seeing now, obviously the one that everybody likes to talk about is that this movie is just about a drug trip. Uh, you know, because of like, oh, she eats mushrooms. And then when she's in the mad, you know, the, the tea party with the mad hatter at one point, she, she takes a a sip from the coffee cup where the, the hatter has just filled it full of sugar and she puts her mouth into it and comes away. And there's like, uh, like a, like a, like a white powder mark on her upper lip below her nose. (laughs) So, oh, that's cocaine. Oh, and she has an LSD trip halfway. Like, okay, whatever. I I get it. I, I can see it. I can see it. But the, the yeah, that's that's the low hanging fruit. Go, exactly. go ahead, Jeff. Dig <laughs> dig deeper. What do you got? What do well, you got? Well, I, I do. I like the idea that it is an allegory for growing up because there's a lot of symbolism in it that that you could definitely see that. I mean, she starts off being very naive, right? Like mm-hmm. she she's very she she but she's and she's willing to just go with anything. She is willingly able and willingly goes into a hole. To chase a rabbit for <laughs> for some reason, it just falls mm-hmm. in the hole and has no problem with it. Just like, yep, okay, this is cool. I'm down with this. And and so she's she's very because she's she's got the mind of a child where she doesn't see that there's anything bad about her situation. 
Yeah, the innocence of youth. Right. And but then like she we have these moments where like she gets bigger and she, but she doesn't really ever seem to fit anywhere, which could be like a like a symbolism for like like the the internal emotional struggle that like a lot of teenagers tend to have that they're growing up and they're getting you know they're they're changing and they just don't seem to fit. They don't think they fit mm-hmm. anywhere. Um or the or the actual growth spurts that kids go through. Exactly. Uh her voice cracks when she's singing the flower song. <laughs> yeah. Which I'm like, okay, no, I, I don't think girls' voices are, you know, crack as you know as much as like a guy's, like a boy's voice tends to. You see more of the the boys' voices are changing when they hit puberty, <laughs> uh, but I'll, yeah, I'll have to ask my manager. <laughs> but you know, it's like, oh, okay, that's that's interesting. Like as the movie goes along, her voice cracks at one point when she has previously sang without a problem. You know, mm-hmm. so it's like okay, there's there could be something there. Uh, what was the other one? There was one more thing. Oh, um, after she leaves the tea party, um, and there's the like the 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 the, the glasses bird, and then like the mirror creature, whatever those things are that comes and yeah, like gets yeah. on her face and like wears her, and they're having fun, and she takes it off, and she's like, no more nonsense. Like mm-hmm. she's actually kind of had like she's had enough of it at that point. To, I'm ready to grow up. Exactly. Like I'm like oh, so that's the moment of her, like a moment of her life when she's like oh, I don't no more of this kid stuff. I'm I'm an adult now. I don't want to deal with this that she had no problem dealing with ten minutes ago. Yeah, uh, and she's able to problem solve her way through the finale, which is oh, I can take these. I can oh, I can grow big again, and I can, she rescues herself more or less. Right. Uh, with with the with the clever use of mushrooms, <laughs> but I I get it. I can completely find the charm in the nonsense of this movie. I earlier I just said I don't get why this is so popular, but I I do. I understand. I can see the 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 wonderful escapism and absurdity of this movie and its content and the imagery. And, and yes, that I can see why people dig it, mm-hmm. but. It's it feels shallow in the end. We're, we're digging a little deep here to talk about it being this allegory for adolescence and whatnot. But from a writer's point of view, which you know, Jeff and I, you are, you and I are both writers, and yep. we 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 are. That, I feel like that might be the first thing we look at sometimes is how scripts are structured and how stories are structured, and the structure of this movie is. It's rough, man. <laughs> <laughs> it so really where, is. Whereas I can I can see the charm of this much like I can see the charm of uh, of Alice in Wonder. Uh, sorry, uh, Wizard of Oz or um, Nightmare Before Christmas and the other hot topic <laughs> products. <laughs> <laughs> I can definitely see why this is a hot topic product because the, I, the, my my other thought that popped in my head while watching is I'm like, oh, so this movie is solely comprised. Of all of those weird kind of drug trippy uh, vignettes from all the package films that we watched, you know, like like <laughs> yeah. like that yep, one yep. song in Three Caballeros, or like absolutely like just like that weird. What is going on? This is or like the pink <laughs> elephant scene from Dumbo, you know, like like just that weird side of Disney they did as in a single film, and <laughs> and it's it's cool to see that. Um, yeah, but it's just so like, it's, it takes a while to get used to because it just, I, I, I felt like, okay, when are we actually going to get a break? Like it never felt like it like there was ever a spot where it stopped. <laughs> Jeff, that's life, man. Life no. doesn't give you breaks. <laughs> <laughs> you know when I want my break? I want my break on my unbirthday. That's the day that I want my break. That let's talk about that. The Mad Hatter and the March Hare scene. Is to me the most memorable scene of this movie, and oh. it's that the unbirthday song, the oh, "Merry Merry Unbirthday to You to, to me, You to me. Like, the 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 this is the the nonsense to the nth degree. As the as the rest of this movie is a lot of like one thing after the other, that tea scene is epic <laughs> in its ridiculousness and. Maybe that's it. Maybe the rest of the movie needed to needed to not just double down but triple down on the 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 wackiness. But you know what? No, no, that wouldn't worked because then we would just be complaining even more about it's nonsense. But maybe why why is that? Jeff, my, I'm broken. I've gone cross-eyed. <laughs> I will agree though. Like that, that scene, the 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 tea party scene, in my opinion, is one of the two like best parts of the entire film. 
Like I think I think it's probably the best part, but there's a close second that there's a good chunk of the 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 queen scene that I kind of dug like parts of it. Um, not all of it as a whole. The tea party as a whole is the one scene that I enjoyed just. <laughs> Because it's so, like, it, I'm at this point in the movie where I'm like, yep, it can't get any weirder. Oh, look, it got weirder. <laughs> no. But so it's, weird, it's this, so good. It's because this whole movie is no plot and all characters, mm-hmm. and the March Hare and the Mad Hatter and the Dormouse are the best <laughs> characters, and then the Red Queen herself. Perhaps because they have the most information or disinformation when it comes to the tea party. Mm-hmm. But uh, the the white rabbit is fine, but he's just the same thing over and over again. I'm late, I'm late, I'm late, I'm late. The best thing with the white rabbit is when they fix his watch. Right. The, I the, love that scene the, so much. <laughs> and, and he put all the crap in it. He shuts it back up and he takes a knife and he trims off the excess like jam that's like left <laughs> out of it and then hands him the watch back. <laughs> yeah, that, that scene is classic that that the the tea party scene is one of the most classic golden era disney moments but in a movie that isn't that isn't all that classic in itself it's it's so weird jeff this movie is so weird and my and wrapping my mind around it is so difficult so it's 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 kind of strange. Okay, so we I mentioned about like how and what we've already seen in a lot of the package films that there was a lot of like most of each of those films were very normal and then they would have one really just over the top goofy ridiculous <laughs> yeah exactly like where did this come from um so one interesting thing and this is something that I was going to bring up uh last week but I ended up saving um mm-hmm. for this week so Cinderella and Alice in Wonderland were in production simultaneously. Oh, okay. And two two, uh, bl- two blonde girls in blue outfits. Gotcha. Exactly. <laughs> and Disney decided, Walt. Oh man, we're following up with a third girl in a blue outfit. <laughs> yes, we are. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, just I, one I cut more. You off. Uh, no. Just so Walt decided to hold a contest between the two animation departments to see. Uh. Who could get the get their movie done first? The people making Cinderella and the people making Alice in Wonderland. Cinderella wow. <laughs> Cinderella won. <laughs> and that's mm-hmm. why it was released first. But like Alice in Wonderland like just barely missed winning out. However, so right? Okay, like, isn't that kind of weird? Like, however, I, I'm the way that I'm looking at it is I'm like, oh, so Cinderella doesn't have any of this weird what the hell was that scene moments in it Alice in Wonderland is solely comprised of those types of scenes so I'm wondering (laughs) if the people who came up with those crazy weird ideas were only on the Alice in Wonderland side (laughs) (laughs) that's well first of all competition breeds breeds results so that that was why that was a a smart business move by Walt yep but it's and and weirdly, Cinderella looks better. Yeah. To, to have been completed first, it looks better. There's the the paintings of the backgrounds, the the matte painting backgrounds, the the fluidity of the animation. I don't know. I guess there there is less wackiness, and maybe that's why it was easier to complete. Right. Because it, it, yes, Alice in Wonderland is just well. First of all, we just already said it. There's more characters in this than any Disney movie. <laughs> and they are doing a lot of weird stuff. Oh yeah, a lot of weird stuff in this. And that's and that, that, you know that that you brought up they brought up a really good point. Maybe it's because Alice in Wonderland is the crazy characters whereas, you know, Cinderella was humans. They were all just they were all human except for the the standard, you know, traditional animal characters, I guess. Right, you know. the mice and the and Lucifer. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's right, the cat. I keep thinking, like, Lucifer wasn't in that one. What are you talking Oh, that's right, the cat. Should, should, should we start keeping track of cats in addition to horses? Because we have Dinah the cat in this. We had Lucifer last time. We probably um, should. I'm, I'm realizing Disney... Figaro and Pinocchio. Oh, man, Figaro. I'm starting to think that Disney had a thing for cats. Because, uh... Oh. <laughs> and, I don't know. It's, it's either going to be cats or horses. I, I think horses are going to beat out. Yeah, because you know what? It's harder to... It's easier to have a horse sidekick 
than a cat sidekick most times. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the bad guy's not going to go riding off into battle with their cat. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, back on, back on, although that would be a Disney movie I'd want to, okay, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> these giant two, cat? yes. These two heroines, uh, Cinderella and Alice, they, they really couldn't be much different, could they? They, they're, the level-headedness and and logic behind Cinderella, despite her flights of fancy and befriending the animals and accepting her circumstances, versus the very, very naive, childlike persona of Alice and mm-hmm. her and her slow development of of uh, <laughs> of adulthood, I suppose. Right? Uh, they're very they're very different in that. I guess they're both proactive in the end, but. Right, and they, Cinderella and, does feel like the better hero than Alice. <laughs> yeah, I feel like like there's, and this is this is this is where I struggle with Alice in Wonderland because I feel like as she walks off at the end of this movie, I feel like Alice, I would give her like a week and she probably would be back to herself beforehand. <laughs> like I feel well, like, well, <laughs> if you're gonna go off the books, it took her a year. To go from the adventure in Wonderland to going through the Looking Glass, so you're so. not too far off. <laughs> Split the difference. Split, Split the difference. Yeah, so six months. I give her six months, but like, yeah, but like it just, <laughs> but it does. Like, it, like she, she, yeah, yeah. She, she learned how to like take care of herself and how to get herself, you know, back home at the end of the uh, at the end of the story, but. I just didn't get the sense that she learned anything. I feel like she's not walking away from from all of this with anything more in her head than, wow, wasn't that a crazy dream? Like, that's yeah. all that I'm seeing out of Alice. And it's unfortunate because you think an experience – well, actually, I don't know. I think an experience like this would probably seriously mess a person up. <laughs> <laughs> it would drive them to drugs, I think, is what you're saying. Oh, so maybe a little <laughs> bit of mushrooms and <gasps> cocaine? Oh! I see. Ooh, but I, hmm. A little bit of acid too. Hmm. That's uh, that's contagious. Don't do that. <laughs> your 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 Edwin is much better than mine. <laughs> <laughs> well, I learned from the so, best people. So, anyways, yes. <laughs> interestingly, Alice, the Alice books from the 18th century or 18th century, the 19th century, the 1800s were quite popular. These books were popular even in the 50s when this movie came out, but. This movie was a was a flop. Yeah, this was a huge financial failure for Walt, and we we will see the effects of this failure and a couple of the other movies in the new style that's going to come out in the late sixties. A much scratchier, unrefined style in the artwork mm-hmm. and the hand drawn animation. We're going to see the results of this failure in like One Hundred and One Dalmatians and Jungle Book and. Uh, Aristocats. We'll we'll see it in the later half of these ten films that we're we're grouping together here. So it's definitely one of those one of those cases where it's like while it wasn't crazy successful now, that affected the amount of money that they had to work on the next series of films. Yes, that was yeah. already probably in production at this point. Yeah, and, and this it's so Walt Disney himself had a love for the Alice character and the, the Adventures in Wonderland. Because before he made Mickey, before he made Oswald, which mm-hmm. was his character before Mickey, he did 57 short films about Alice. <laughs> she, it was a live-action Alice on a- animated backgrounds with, an, with a cat. 57 Alice shorts, Alice comedies as they were called. He's got a thing for Alice. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I don't know if it was Alice per se. I think it was the idea of going into Wonderland where literally, literally anything can happen. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and the and the and the the fun, the latitude an artist will have in a world where anything can happen. That's a great place to play in. As an animator, you can you can really test the boundaries of animation, and and it's those Alice cartoons that led Disney to Oswald, which led to Mickey, which led to the movies we are watching now and this this history that he had with the Alice cartoons i i bet this really really sucked for him that it it didn't succeed as as he had hoped it would right yeah cuz the movie had a budget of about 3 million dollars which nowadays is about i already i'm not this good i just did the math uh is <laughs> is uh, about 28 million dollars um mm-hmm. but it only earned 5.2 million dollars 
at the box office in 1951. Wow. Now, let's do a quick comparison, shall we? Cinderella. Sure. Cinderella had a budget of $2.9 million. It, in the box office, brought in $260 million. Woohoo! Oh, boy. It, it, it's got to... I really think that comes down to the the structure of the story. But mm-hmm. if you think about it, who really is a huge fan of Cinderella now in comparison to the the fandom of Alice in Wonderland? Hell, if just look at the live action remakes Disney did, the Cinderella live action remake they did a few years ago, that did all right. Right. That did it did okay. The live action Alice in Wonderland that Tim Burton directed was the highest grossing movie that came out that year. <laughs> Which is just weird. Uh, Which is insane. Okay. <laughs> That's insane. <laughs> but what, it's, it's so interesting to think that when these two movies came out, that the one that was more successful was Cinderella, which is really just kind of – in in a more modern perspective, boring. It's simple. Yeah. It's a princess. Hey, once upon a time, she meets a prince. The end. Alice in Wonderland yeah. is is what? Yeah, all the crazy things you could think of. She falls down a hole and she runs up to and she runs into like she she floats down the river for a bit. Then she she goes into a house with a doorknob that sounds like like uh, Boris Karloff. And then he doesn't <laughs> let her in, but she shrinks and grows and shrinks and grows. And then he has a key, and then she lets him in. And then Tweedledee and Tweedledum. And then there's a story about a walrus that eats. Babies, that's disturbing. Oh, oh, <laughs> oh man, I was watching that going. He's not gonna. He's not gonna. He eat. did. He's not gonna eat. At least they did it. Oh, At oh. least they did it off screen. <laughs> he, he ate them. Why did he eat them? Oh my goodness! Kill him! Kill the walrus! Like that's just. <laughs> uh, yes, but at least he's off screen. I go to the um, the dogma conversation, if you, you know, the movie Dogma by Kevin Smith, where mm-hmm. Matt Damon is talking to the nun and how the the walrus and the carpenter is actually a an allegory towards Christianity and the <laughs> the major religions of the East and tricking all these oysters into following them only to devour them. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I can right the carpenter, yeah. the carpenter leading his his people to to their to their demise, right? Mm. That's that would be the Jesus character and the walrus like Ganesh, right? Wow. <laughs> Deep meaning. See, I am never that smart. I, I thought I was proud of the fact that I'm like, well, she, Alice got bigger, so that means she's growing up, <laughs> right? <laughs> but that's but as much as I got. Yeah. It's so str- so strange, the popularity of this of this series of the different iterations of Alice and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And um, it's, it, it, this movie took a very long time to be released on video. And now it's like, I, this is such a standard kind of oddball weirdo thing to like mm-hmm. there's the you know like the the left of center people the I, I used hot topic as an example before which can be a stigma or it's a fair fair assessment <laughs> but the the randomness of Alice is is so popular that I'm just surprised it took so long for them to not only release this thing on DVD and blu-ray but even to give it a special edition release because I don't know which version you watched Jeff did the Cheshire cat have a song? Um. Oh boy. You know what? Okay, I so don't a, think so. There's a special edition release of this where they took one of the thirty plus songs they didn't use in this movie. <laughs> they recorded it and they animated it. And this is kind of tied into the fact that Sterling Holloway, one of who I, it makes his appearance I, in. I, I, in I, I was I was gonna say I was gonna say I'm like oh hey, look at that Sterling Holloway alert uh but it's so weird because he he and real quick real quick he does not okay, sound okay. like himself to me no no he's because he does the who is he he's the Cheshire Cat right yep yeah well the other modern day you're going to hear him in every single Disney thing sang the Cheshire Cat song in the special edition, which is Jim Cummings. Oh, of course it's Jim Cummings. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, Jim Cummings has done every voice of every cartoon character of my childhood. <laughs> That's right, yeah. So, whereas Sterling Holloway's name is going to keep coming up for, for quite a few more movies, but eventually Jim Cummings' name is going to come in, and then we'll always talk about him. And then we won't even get a chance to talk about him as much as we could, because he's voiced like every cartoon series voice that you could possibly imagine. 
<laughs> it's not like real quick for any of you out there who don't know who Jim Cummings is. Just mm-hmm. look him up on IMDb because, and then just look at his look at his credits. Like you'll look yeah. at him, on, you look at his picture. You're like, I have. He does not look familiar. I've never seen him. But right. like his films that he is known for, real quick, the four that are on IMDb is The Lion King, Shrek, The Hunchback of Notre Dame, and Aladdin. And you're like, mm-hmm. oh, oh, okay. He has 495 acting credits on IMDb. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would bet at least half of those are Disney-based. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, easily, easily. Because he's also now like Tigger and Winnie the Pooh nowadays. Yeah. Um, he does all the Winnie the Pooh voices. He was Darkwing Duck. He was Don Carnage on Tailspin. He was... Uh, he's Taz. Uh, As he, like, who else? He's Taz, like Tasmania Devil. He's a oh, Tasmanian. the Tasmanian Devil, yeah. Yep. Oh, like, and the, yeah. then he's done. He's just done voices. Like he'll do. Um, he does a lot of. Uh, 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 I think he does like a lot of. Um, I'm sorry. I'm spacing on the term that I'm trying to think. He does a lot of like animal esque voices and like mm-hmm. like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't even know how you want to describe that technically, but um, <laughs> <laughs> he, does he does a lot of like supporting characters uh, more than he does main characters. He, you can hear him on the Clone Wars for Star Wars. Oh, he's, yeah. he's everywhere. But he did the song for the Cheshire Cat in the special edition of Alice in Wonderland. Oh, it's so I, – I, I'm, I'm not surprised. I, I honestly – I'm just going to be like, yeah, okay, of course he did. What, who else would do the voice of nowadays? He does the singing yeah. voice of uh, Scar in The Lion King. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. I, thought, I thought Tim Rice did the – or not Tim, um, uh, Jeremy, Jeremy Irons. Jeremy Stevens. Irons. The 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 the. Uh, this is okay. This is something for the Lion King. Technically, there's always this been this long-standing rumor that uh, Jeremy Irons did the singing voice up until a certain part in the song, which he threw his mm-hmm. voice out. And there's a noticeable quality difference, like change in the song okay. if you listen to it. Um, but apparently, that's been debunked, and uh, Jeremy Irons is like, I've never recorded the song. Or something wow. like that. Like that was My the whole rumor, life's a lie. right? Yeah. Like <laughs> I'll point that off off camera. And for those of you listening, when we get to the Lion King, try to remind me because I'll gladly put <laughs> in that audio snippet to let you see if you can hear where everyone claims Jim Cummings took over. Happens, yeah. Yep. Because once you once it's pointed out to you, you'll only ever hear it that way because that's how it is for me. So, well, yeah. despite us uh, of of to, tooting the horn of Sterling ha- uh, Holloway once again, yes. Ed Wynn is really the best voice oh, in this whole. But, so good. but it's just because he's one of the greatest voices <laughs> that you can hear in the Disney. Era. He was uh, Uncle Uncle Alfred in Mary Poppins, right? Yep. Um, he's in uh, In Search of the Castaways. He's oh no, wait, he's not in Search of the Castaways. He's he's in a lot of live action Disney movies as well. But uh, he's in one of the very first episodes of The Twilight Zone. This guy's. Classic 50s era um, <laughs> stardom here yep. for such a weird looking man with such a weird sounding voice. And it's funny because if, if any of you listening have never seen Edwin, go on to IMDb. Search, no, uh, <laughs> I feel like a broken record, TC. I, I, have, I have a question for you, Jeff. Yes, yes. Why is the Mad Hatter so the, like the main character of the Alice in Wonderland movies that came out. Why, is it because Johnny Depp played the character that they were like, well, we have Johnny Depp. Let's make him the main character. Partially, yes. I feel like that's the case. Secondly, though, you brought up a good point earlier when you made the comment that the tea party scene is probably the scene that most people recognize prior even to the the, the, the live action film. If you ask mm-hmm. somebody to name a scene from Alice in Wonderland, the cartoon, they probably would have named this scene. Mm-hmm. So I feel like you you already brought it up it, because it's the one scene that's the funniest the the on, in a movie that's absolutely crazy the craziest <laughs> scene in the movie but is the most entertaining and the most fun I think what it was was I think it was like well that's the that's that's what everybody remembers the TV show excuse me the live action TV show from the late eighties early nineties that I know we've already talked about on this podcast that I mm-hmm. watched. Um, it was the one of the main characters was the Mad Hatter, like. Oh, is that the one with the? Uh, uh, there's a, there's the the blonde lady who's plays the White Queen. She yeah, sounds like this. Okay, yep, right. yep. Okay. Like, and it's it, it's a it's disturbing. If anybody has <laughs> ever watched it, I know there's a couple the, clips oh, on okay, on yeah. on, uh, on on YouTube of of episodes from it. Um, I think it's just Alice in. Is it just Alice in Wonderland? 
I'm thinking, yes, yes. I think it's just Alice in Wonderland. Um, it's it's so strange because the popularity of these books, uh, there was a big popularity, like a, a good fan base for Alice in Wonderland. And the true lovers of the books have not liked any of the adaptations. Uh, the British people did not like this Alice in Wonderland that we're discussing here because uh, – not the live-action one, the Disney one mm-hmm. – because it was too Ameri- Americanized for their tastes and uh, a lot of criticism that has come in the past hundred years <laughs> is how dark people have interpreted the source material, whereas in its original release, in its original fandom, people saw it as lights and whimsical and not these deep-seated alternative meanings that people have dug into it and interpreted it as. So right. that, that live-action version you're talking about, I can remember scaring the crap out of me when I was a kid. <laughs> Sorry, it's the it's called Adventures in Wonderland. That's what the TV show okay. is called. I, I had to look it up because I'm like, I, I, otherwise I'll, I'll, be, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be mad if I don't. So <laughs> <laughs> Another thing is that they, there are no adaptations of just the one book or the other. That they, they always mix and match the Alice Through the Looking Glass and Alice's Adventures in Wonderland. And I, as far as I know, there isn't any straight adaptation of one or the other. It's always a mix. Right, because isn't cause in, in the two books, there? I please forgive me, I've never read the books themselves just because I've never gotten around to it. But wasn't... Um, I can't read. I can't read. I got nowhere else to go. But isn't... The, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> anyways. Um, isn't the, the, isn't, there's two different queens, right? Like, is yes, there a, there's there, a queen in each book? Mm-hmm. There's the Queen of Hearts, which is the 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 woman that we see in this in this movie, and then there's the Red Chess Queen because mm-hmm. Alice through the Looking Glass has all these chess pieces like the the White Queen, the Red Queen, the Bishop, the Knights, the Pawns. Like that's that's all from Alice in the Looking Glass, and the Red Queen is the off with his head Queen, okay. not the Queen of Hearts. And in fact, Lewis Carroll himself was frustrated by how often people messed that up. That he's like, no, they're two different characters. They're two different characters. And eventually he relented and just said, yeah, fine, they're the same character. <laughs> <laughs> Poor guy. Oh, man. That, yeah, that, it, as a writer, that would just drive me bonkers. If after all these years, I'm just like, fine, yes, these two people are the same character, whatever. Just stop there, bugging there's me. An, <laughs> there's <laughs> another frustration he faced, which is the riddle, why is a raven like a writing desk? Because he wrote that specifically with no answer. There is no answer to it. It is utter nonsense. It is not meant to have an answer. And for years and decades, people were like, you meant this, didn't you? You mean, you meant to say how is a raven like a writing desk because Edgar Allan Poe wrote on both of them. (laughs) And and that was another thing where he (laughs) relented after decades where he finally just went, yeah, fine. That's that's, whatever. (laughs) Oh, that poor gent. That poor, poor gent. <laughs> so, like, I'm trying to think of, um, <clears throat> I will say this, TC, as much, as much, um, kind of like, like, like making fun of this movie or just kind of tearing it apart or, or like berating it a little bit as we are, I will say there was mm-hmm. one moment in the film, uh, outside of the tea party scene, one moment in the film that I, I let out a very large, very loud laugh because for some okay. reason, I thought it was hilarious, and it was once <laughs> it was once Alice got into the the kingdom, mm-hmm. and the the card guards showed up, and mm-hmm. they do a sound off, and they count they count one through ten, <laughs> right? And each, one, as two, they, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, Jack. Yeah, and I'm <laughs> like, 10, Jack. I'm like, when that happens, and it's just because there's two of there's two sets of each number, and then it's just the one Jack at the end. It's just like all by himself <laughs> going. Jack, and they just kind of hops over. <laughs> that made me laugh so much. I loved it, and I'm like, I'm like, what? Why is this the thing that made me laugh? Like, <laughs> I guess because I get maybe right. in my head because I'm like, oh, it's just one through ten. Oh, it's play, yeah, because they're cars. I get it. But the fact that they mm-hmm. they went that one extra step to bring in the Jack, Jack just and made it made it kind of sound a little doofy too. Just some Jack, and then hop in. <laughs> it just made me laugh. That was just it's, that was great. It's it's strange because the Knave of Hearts is a a major character in the book Alice and Adventures in Wonderland. In fact, it's his trial that's the main focus of the 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 end of the book, not Alice's. Um, just to to show how adaptation is is an art and how things are interpreted is often much different than the source material. Right. 
Um, I, I, I completely forgot about the King of Hearts and found him rather amusing because you have this <laughs> big, gigantic personality of the Queen of Hearts and then and then, and then, and then, and then, and then the mousy, mousy little king who's uh, – what, what, what about a trial? Can we do a trial? Trials are fun. <laughs> who, who, who comes off very – he kind of seems a little whipped too. Like, oh, oh, yeah. And I, of course, if, if the Queen of Hearts was your wife – that personality, mm-hmm. and pretty much at any given chance, she just says off with their head to pretty much anybody. I think I would, I'd be like that too. I'd be like, okay, yep, okay, yep, whatever she says, <laughs> let's just let's, let's let her do it. Uh, oh. So f- I, I was very amused by that little guy. <laughs> Speaking of that jury scene, TC, I don't know if you mm-hmm. happened to notice, but when the jury came out in the box, Okay. There was a very familiar-looking jury member among them. Oh, okay. I, I did not notice. Who, who who do we have? Now, one could argue that because it's a jury, he was dressed mm. a little more nicely than he normally is seen. He was not allowed to bring in his umbrella, his cigar, or his top hat, um, and he was wearing Gee. a black jacket. But okay. Jose... <laughs> Oh, Joe Carioca. Joe Carioca was in the uh, was in the jury box. Oh, that's great! I, and I had I just said we'd never see him again. Yep. <laughs> I mean, he never speaks, oh. and you could argue that oh, maybe it's just another parrot. But I mean, <laughs> the the model was pretty dang on, except for he was wearing a, a dark jacket, I guess. But I'm okay. like, oh, right, so that's, oh, that's cool. Fan rumor or like the, the the big, and I guess that's kind of a theory. So I'm jumping ahead a little bit there, but the the theory is that that is supposed to be Joe uh, in well, in the box. So based on Joe's ability and the the movies he was in with his ridiculousness, it would make sense that someone who does that would be from Wonderland, wouldn't it? <laughs> exactly. Oh, and speaking of that, you know what? I was greatly upset. That the uh, the uh, the Arakuan or the Arakan the Rakuan bird did not oh. like like during the forest sequence when when Alice is meeting all the different types of animals and the weird creatures I'm like that is a perfect spot for him to be like because the movie's already kind of messing with you and bending like reality mm-hmm. and stuff and like that's perfect for that character <laughs> like why wasn't he in that scene uh, we will never see that we will never see that bird again I know and it makes me so angry. Because I'm like, there's so many times. Why was it Bambi and his mom that keeps showing up in movies? Why isn't it that <laughs> I want damn the bird? bird. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't even have to say anything. It could just be him standing there and like a shot of the forest, and it's just it's it's him standing in the tree, and then <laughs> yeah, just needs to do that, you know. <laughs> and that's it. All I need to hear. All I need to hear, and I would be happy. Every movie, Disney, stop with the hidden Mickeys. Let's get the bird back in. I want to see that. <laughs> the Akuna bird. The you Akuna know what, bird. what birds I did enjoy was the the flamingo karaoke sticks. <laughs> see, we we spent we spent the majority of this podcast, or this episode, just kind of criticizing the movie. But I, I did say that there are so many neat characters and neat moments of animation in this whole thing that, despite our criticism. There is some great stuff in this movie, and right. like those that the whole uh, croquet scene with the little hedgehogs and the the flamingo sticks. Oh man! Like like when she's <laughs> when 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 Alice is fighting with her stick to try to get him to hit, and he's <laughs> kicking her up on his feet and going limp, and, and that's really great stuff. They cut back to her. They cut back to her, and she's on the ground, and he's holding her. Yeah. Like <laughs> there's that great moment where the audience is like. Laughing, and then they stop, and then they applaud, yeah, and then they cut back to her, and and the and the flamingo has her. <laughs> now that's comedy. It's so it is, and that's the thing. Is like like the way that I look at this film, I look at it as it's it's not really a normal movie per se. Like it is not a Cinderella type film. It still has mm-hmm. a story. Yes, okay, it has a story. The girl goes through an adventure. She comes back home and she realizes that life is good where she's at. So there is a a thin character development or character arc there. But it's not a normal Disney film. Uh, if you look at it from the perspective of it is an hour and 15, another package film of a bunch of little vignette gags and jokes, mm-hmm. you know, and just like standalone little bits that do have the connective tissue of that character of Alice going from one to the other then it's a it's a completely different film to look at. 
Now, does that mm. does that does that save the movie in my eyes uh, <laughs> from being an okay film? Not really, but it yeah. is still enjoyable, at least in my in my perspective. Um, which I guess at this point, TC, I might as well ask, where do you can put this on your list? <laughs> See what I did? Well, there? I I I'm going to put it below Cinderella. So I'm, I'm going to keep Cinderella in the number one slot, mm-hmm. just for its, just for the cohesive narrative, just for the 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 nonsense of Alice, just prevents it from being. It's just it did feel a bit too much like the package movies. It did feel a little more aimless than Cinderella. I I, I don't think Cinderella is going to stay in the number one slot because there are some really fine films coming up. But between the two of them right now, I just as much as I like moments in Alice in Wonderland as an overall film, it's just it's. I, I'm a super random tangent guy. <laughs> Listening to this podcast, people can are can be rest assured we've given enough in, enough of our personalities to show how often we can segue. Right. But I don't know. I just Alice in Wonderland never really did it for me, and this movie itself didn't win me over. So now so. it's, it's better. You're, you're still, you're putting it at number two, knocking Ichabod and Mr. Toad down, right? Oh shoot. I completely forgot about Ichabod and Mr. Toad. <laughs> I would say that as a yes then. Cause if you completely forgot Ooh. about that movie, then yeah, maybe yeah, I, I, that's, <laughs> that's that not a good answered sign. itself. Didn't it? So I, I will put Alice at two and Ichabod at three. Oh dang. That's it. The fact that I forgot it must mean that Alice, or it could just be the fact that I just watched Alice in Wonderland. That's and true. it's been, Three weeks since I seen Sleepy Hollow. <laughs> oh. You know, there. I I want to get your answer, but I'm going to babble enough for you to have time to think, unless you already have your answer. Tim Burton adapted both of those movies. That is true. Sleepy Hollow and Alice in Wonderland. <laughs> <laughs> Tim Burton is on this like, let's remake all of Disney. <laughs> let's just do That's it. So weird. I, I prefer his sin- Sleeping Hollow by a, like a long shot, but now because I really don't care for his Alice in Wonderland. <laughs> if his Alice in Wonderland was rated R. Oh God, no! <laughs> it would have just—it wouldn't have worked. It wouldn't work. No, look, okay. This and we could talk about this because this is definitely something. I actually, I wish I had watched the live-action Cinderella because that would have been something to briefly talk about when we watched Cinderella last week. But I just—I mm-hmm. have not seen it yet. Um, but because this is Alice in Wonderland and the Tim Burton, and that is the Disney remake of their film. Um, like mm-hmm. we can definitely talk about it. I will say, like at least the live-action version of Alice in Wonderland. It it does fit a Tim Burton esque like his style. Um, maybe it, I wish he did more of his old school style more than his modern weird style. I guess. But, yeah. Once it, it once you can throw quotes up on a Tim Burton movie, right? It became less. It became less charming. Yeah, but like because <laughs> like, I mean he was really good at making that dark kind of weird films. And that had kind of their own look and style to them, which I could see why this movie would would adapt should have adapted into that style. Unfortunately, eh, it's just so much CGI and and Crispin Glover. <laughs> yeah, Ooh, just not gonna go there. Um, so, anyways, I just wanted to bring that up while we were discussing that. My order, I'm right there with you this week, TC. I'm putting it at number two. Um, I love Sleepy Hollow out of the Ichabod and Mr. Toad. I really do enjoy it, but yeah, uh, yeah. this is this Alice in Wonderland was definitely not better than Cinderella, and this Cinder at least Alice in Wonderland was more entertaining as a whole film than The Adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad. So yes, mm-hmm. we are we are in agreement again for the third week in a row sir <laughs> all uh, right so we've done it <laughs> we have done it there but uh we'll have to wait and see uh next week what happens with next week anyways any last yeah, yeah. uh any last like thoughts or comments or uh things you wanted to discuss for this movie before we move on um for the week i guess yeah uh, well, uh, let me let me just say that uh, though we did criticize this movie, uh, as I said, there are a lot of great moments in this. But the uh, Alice and the books themselves have been public domain for since 1907. They became public domain, so anyone can take a crack at adapting Alice in Wonderland. That's why there's so many versions of Alice in Wonderland. Right. Um, but I I was always much more of a fan of Wizard of Oz. Maybe maybe I just 
saw that movie at a more formidable time in my life when I was little as opposed to Alice in Wonderland or I somehow subconsciously appreciated the more structured narrative of Wizard of Oz. But there's some there's there have been some really cool adaptations of Alice and and her adventures. Mm-hmm. There's there's a real twisted dark video game version. Oh yeah. Um, oh yeah. There's, there's a, Alan Moore did a series called The Lost Girls, which features Alice, Dorothy, and I think Wendy is the other, the third girl in that series, which is very, well, it's Alan Moore, so don't don't expect to, uh, don't expect children to be reading that. <laughs> <laughs> and if your children are reading that, what is what is wrong with you? <laughs> also, how old are your children? Because maybe that's not a bad thing. Yeah, they're forty two. Oh, oh, okay. Well, never mind. Then that's fine. <laughs> Uh, but I, I do have a couple comments from our Facebook page, which if those listening would like to comment, we always post the episodes announcement announcing that what we're – we always post what episodes we're going to talk about so you can comment there. Or uh, after we've posted, we like to, to get people's reactions to it. And um, Jessica uh, commented on a few of our episodes. Looks like she's been catching up. So thank you for for commenting. And yes. uh, Thomas Thomas wondered if to to bring up our wizards duel, if <laughs> Joe Carioca and uh, well, I'm going to pick Joe. He said all three birds from the three caballeros, but Joe in particular has the magic in him. Could That's he true. be included into the wizards duel? Yes. However, I don't think he'd last very long. <laughs> <laughs> I have a picture, a mental image of him just like exploding into a pile of feathers immediately because of the <laughs> lack of power. Yep. <laughs> Although, you know, with the mention of birds, I we we should start tailing up the horses, the cats, and the birds. There's a. I think that that really would be. <laughs> there's a lot of even at all this point. Three. There's a ton of birds. Yeah. <laughs> I will. I will. Uh, I will make a, uh, a cumulative list of uh, mm-hmm. of all the birds, and maybe for when we get to the end of the podcast, maybe that'll be part of our finale episode. Uh, we'll we'll go back through and we'll do a full like here's all the birds, here's all the cats, and here's all the horses that were in all <laughs> the movies. I'll do that. I'll do that for the final episode. That'll be a fun little uh, <laughs> like final look back at the the list that was Disney films. <laughs> Well, I actually got a tweet while we were sitting here, and it's uh, it, it's more of a comment than a question, but it's um, can even though you just watched this, can you name one other song besides "Unbirthday"? Um, <laughs> and to be honest, uh, uh, how do you do? Uh, say how do you do and shake hands, <laughs> which is literally from, what from this movie. Tweedledee, oh, from, uh, Tweedledee and Tweedledum. Oh, yeah. I, I was going to say, uh, we're painting the roses red. We're painting the roses red. We're painting... That's it. That's, uh, <laughs> and that's, that's, the, that's the entire thing. <laughs> <laughs> so th- thank you for that tweet. If you want to tweet at us, you can tweet at Jeff's... Uh, at Jeff with... Bah, what's wrong with me? This <laughs> movie broke me, Jeff. It's, it's all the technology issues we had at the beginning. Oh Everything God. is just catching up to us. Uh, <laughs> you can Twitter pate at Jeff. At Random Bell or at TC's Big Head if you want to reach me. And uh, I check the Twitter feed at least before we record. I just happen to have it open here when, when the tweet came in now. Or like I said, you can hit Facebook.com slash Top Shelf Pod. Yeah. Yeah, and, there you go. And, your leave, and leave your comments. <laughs> uh, uh, one, one of these weeks, maybe like halfway through the entire library, we could just do a catch up. We just do a comments episode where we just catch up on all the comments yes. people have left and, and address the ones that we, we may have missed because we appreciate you guys uh, feedbacking. I, I usually try to respond even if only shortly, not shortly, like, ah, I mean like briefly. <laughs> <laughs> TC's to, really to mean when he responds to people. <laughs> it's weird. I don't understand why. I do want to say one I, thing. Somebody did tweet uh, the ghost. Ta- or actually real quick. Uh, David, uh, Mr. Geisler, thank you, sir, for enjoying the podcast so far. He left a he tweeted us. I also somebody else tweeted uh, the the Ghost Hat Twitter account uh, with oh, a question, okay. but for some reason I can't see the tweets anymore. I'm I'm I was scrambling to do it right now, and I can't get the stupid thing to show me the tweets. I am so get sorry. I was, do, do you remember what Do you remember what it was off the top of your head? I, I I thought it was a question, but it was sometime last week, and now I can't find the mm. tweet. Um, let me look. Give me like give me like 
Nope, because see, none of them are showing up. That is so strange. I am so sorry <laughs> for for whomever tweeted. It was last week. I don't know why it's not showing the tweets anymore. Hey, that's that's their fault. They should have tweeted at you instead of some weird old ghost hat Twitter. Yeah, I don't understand <laughs> why. Who would tweet the ghost hat Twitter? That seems it's probably it's the tweet the tweet the tweet at you is probably like. Uh, a uh, follow for a follow. Yeah, it probably was. You know, <laughs> <laughs> which which wait, TC, don't you you don't you don't do that? You don't you don't follow? Oh, I have. For follows? I there are so many robots following me on Twitter. It's amazing. <laughs> I, um, I'm just I I for one welcome our robot overlords. <laughs> I was just gonna say you're you're just prepping for the robot apocalypse. You're just you're getting on the good side of them. So. <laughs> Uh, I did have another comment from Thomas worth mentioning from Cinderella last week. He mentioned that the introduction of the evil stepmother, she is petting the cat like a Bond villain. And he was wondering if that's where the trope of the evil person petting a cat came from. Um, I don't think so. I think that Dr. No or Blofeld was doing it before <laughs> before uh, evil stepmother Treme. So, well, here's the thing, though. Oh, um, oh, am I wrong? On, I must be wrong on dates here. Dr. No came out in 1962. Oh, so did, was Lady Tremaine a I, trendsetter? I think Lady Tremaine was, in fact, a trendsetter. I think Dr. No was a fan of Cinderella. There's our theory for the week, folks. Right there. <laughs> Tell me I'm wrong. Tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> Challenge him. He's got big Challenge. Giant, he's got big giant ceilings. He's surrounded by blonde women. <laughs> I, I have nothing well, more besides that. So. <laughs> there, there, there you go, Thomas. We've, you, you've cracked the code. <laughs> that's it. I think we're done with this entire podcast series. We're good, everybody. Uh, that's that's where we need to end it, right there. But <laughs> Well, as, as I mentioned before, we, we went from a, a blonde in blue to a blonde in blue to another girl in blue for our next movie. Indeed. Because I believe what, – what, what's our next one, Jeff? Our next film is the 1953 classic Peter Pan. And Peter I believe Pan. I believe you're talking about Shmee, right? As the blonde yes. haired. Okay, good. That's what I'm I talking about. Shmee. Oh, <laughs> Captain, Captain. <laughs> I'm looking forward to seeing Peter Pan because I, again, we're we're still in that we're in that chunk of films. I'm like, man, I I saw Peter Pan when I was like six, probably the last time wow. I've seen it. So I'm excited to watch it. <laughs> I have seen well, Hook and the live action musical version from the late 80s like the play version that was on vhs tape um right with um surely oh was it um oh my crap i i should have looked this up uh oh uh, someone's yelling at us right now (laughs) oh sorry and it was actually a 19 oh my guess wow really that was a 1960s version Holy crap. Yeah, you must have just saw it on, on replay or something. Yeah. On a repeat. With um with Mary Martin as Peter Pan. Is oh, who is who it Martin. is. Yeah, from nineteen Yeah. The nineteen sixty version, I had that on VHS tape that I watched <laughs> all the time as a kid. I never knew that was from nineteen sixty. I need I need I need to find that. I need to I need to find this guys. I bet you could you could probably find it on YouTube I'm betting. Um, but uh, to but that's not up, the version we, we're watching. To, I, yes. I, I, I do want to point out that Cinderella, Disney Cinderella that we watched last week is to me the definitive Cinderella. Yes. And, and uh, I think this Alice in Wonderland is the definitive Alice in Wonderland despite the how much money the Tim Burton one made, it was just a pseudo sequel of the original. Uh, of this of this Disney animated one, and I think when people think Alice in Wonderland, this is the first one they think of. Yep. Um, and we're going into Peter Pan, and I once again will say that's the definitive Peter Pan. I need to rewatch it, and I and I may be wrong in watching in in my rewatch of it, but we are in this defining era of of Disney animation and what it did to pop culture. Right. Right, and like this is what people think of uh, whenever they think of these characters. For I mean, still even today, I, I you you could definitely argue that people are still thinking of Alice in Wonderland, even with the live action Alice in Wonderland as the version that we saw. And definitely, I could see yeah. Peter Pan as being the version that we saw as well. Mm-hmm. So, or will if, be, if or will be anything, seeing. I mean, hmm. <laughs> oops. If if we learned anything, it's that Johnny Depp is no Ed Wynn. Nope, and he never will be. <laughs> Stick and with he never 
<laughs> Will be. Stick with Jack Sparrow, man. Stick with him. <laughs> well, oh, where's the where's the rum? Oh. <laughs> where's the rum gone? Oh wait, I found it. It's in my stomach. Hmm. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you everybody for listening. Um, we we will be back again, I believe, next week. There may be a chance we take a week off. It all depends on my schedule. Yep. Um, but yeah, we'll thank, let, we'll thanks let for know. thanks for for doing this again, Jeff. Well, thanks for joining me, TC. And uh, mm-hmm. uh, in case you're wondering, I'm very late. I need to go for an important day. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. Oh, now. What you are mixing up characters and quotes here. This is. Off with their heads! <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> You're doing it wrong. I'm I'm the one who's late. I oh, am the one who's late. Pish posh. It's not you. It's me. Have you ever seen I, my I, watch? <laughs> no, but I have a pocket full of pish if you want some. You have a pocket full of what? That's <laughs> you know naughty. What, that, this is on an episode for kids. What? I, I'm, ashamed, I'm ashamed that my, my white rabbit... Devolved into an Adam Sandler character. Uh, that means at any point, Adam Sandler is one step away from the White Rabbit. That's what I get from this. And all this is staying in the episode. <laughs> it is. People are like, when is this going to end? When is it going to fade out? It hasn't faded. Why is it not fading? This has been a production of Ghost Hat Media, proud member of the Ghost Hat Network. Find them online at www.ghosthat.net. <laughs> I like the ending. <laughs>